And so before we get busy at trying to recover normal or establish a new normal or just react, while we're in the tension, this is the hour to be curious because those internal problems don't go away. They just increase over time. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Okay, that's me doing my best, Glinda, the Good Witch of the North, from The Wizard of Oz, by the way. And I wanted to play the soundbite, but, you know, copyrights and also this is what you get. And why are you getting this, you may ask? Well, you ask such good questions. So today on the Isle of Misfits, we are talking about coming out. My name is Nancy Carmichael, by the way, and I am your humble misfit host. And as I said, we're talking about coming out, but not the way you may think, or maybe just the way you may think. We'll see. But I'm not here to talk to myself today. Oh, no. I have some company, some very special company that I can't wait to introduce to you. So I'm not going to wait. In fact, My first guest is something of a reintroduction because you may remember the episode we did a while back with Morgan Snyder from Wild at Heart Ministries and his book, Becoming a King. That was a great conversation. So if you didn't hear it, go back and find it now or later, whatever. It's your choice. But I am thrilled to have him here with us today. But wait, there's more. The favor of God must be resting upon me today because his lovely wife, Sherry, who is the chief life officer of his domain, see, I read your website, and the co-founder of Deeply Rooted Collective, and I want to hear more about that, um, she has agreed to join us today, Sherry Snyder. So this is just a monumental day for the misfits right here, right now. Welcome, Morgan and Sherry. Thank you, Nancy, and thank you to all of the friends at the Isle of Misfits. We are so, so happy to be with you all today. Nancy, I have to be honest about the coming out um, kind of teaser there is when you said that, what came to mind was me in the dark this morning coming out of my house in boxer shorts, nothing else other than a pair of Crocs in the snow to get my dog to go on the potty rocks. Nice. And it's not going well. So oh. it's pretty funny. We all have a bias to bring the conversation. That's what I have to say about coming out. This today. is true. It's the very- neighbors are in for it, guys. I mean, they've never seen Morgan and his boxers more. Oh, my God. It's not impressive. Well, it's an open-ended thing. So... So that's that's good to keep it, you know, to keep it free, keep it. Um, but you, did you say it's snowing in Colorado? Oh yeah, it's it's, oh. it's May in Colorado, so there's no such thing as spring. It's either uh, winter or summer, and there's a competition every day. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I don't feel so bad because I'm in Buffalo, which we get the rap, you know. Oh Buffalo, you must have two, you know, three feet of snow, and we do sometimes, but not today, my oh. friend. Not today. So, yeah, so, you know, I thought about, um, yeah, everybody's got an idea, right, when we hear that phrase coming out. Could have gone with the Diana Ross, you know, I'm coming out. That's another way we could do it. So I'm sure there's all kinds of ways, right? (laughs) We could just sing sound bites this whole time, and that would be great fun. Keep going. I Please. (laughs) 
Well, hey, I am just so honored to have you both. I feel like I'm talking to a power couple. Oh, geez. Nancy, you should, you should really see us right now. You would, <laughs> come stay with you, you would think otherwise, friend. Well, that's okay. I just came I from the garden. It's great. You know, Nancy, I feel like the truth is, um, you know, we're 20 years into marriage, and we've learned a few things, and mostly we've been exposed by all the things that we've had to unlearn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what I can say with joy and confidence is we do love God. We really do. And I think some of the trials and challenge, challenges we faced, even recently, surfaced that reality that we love God, we love His kingdom, and we want to see all people restored and, and, and be well. We want to see communities well, marriages well, um, businesses, churches, schools, and, and we're all in the throes of it. So I think, I mean, the only thing we can boast in is we love God and, and we want to serve and, and partner with Him and people like you to bring healing and joy and restoration to people. That's a great goal. I am so, oh my gosh, what an honor to partner with you for this podcast and that very goal. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, we love God. That's that's great. That I mean, that just sums it all up, right? We have our ups. We have our downs. We got lots of issues. Um, I mean, I should only speak for myself. I got lots of issues. But at the end of the day, like you, I, I love God. And I want all those things, restoration and healing. Um, and I want to just dive right in. But before we do, <laughs> I think you know. Morgan knows. Sherry doesn't know yet, but she's about to know what's coming. I think we got to play a stupid game. Whoa. <laughs> it's silent. This should be a video podcast. <laughs> I got a laptop. But know this, I, I, Morgan knows about me. I love games. Games are my love language. Well, there Come you on, go. Nancy. So today's your day. All right. So this is so I, I know just just enough about your background, just just to probably screw it all up, Sherry. But it seems like you know a lot about psychology or the way the brain works. So so we're gonna do our own little couples Rorschach thing today. Sort of an audio. Like <laughs> Say that again. Is it like the newlywed game? Sort of. Yes, it's newlywed. Okay. Personality. Just say the first thing that comes to you. Although I'm going to prompt you. So you. So this is the way this game works. Okay. It's called this or that couples edition. So here's the rule. I'm going to give you a this or that. I don't want you to think. I just want you to react. And you don't even have to wait for the other person. You don't have to be polite. You can just shout it out. You can talk over each other. We'll filter it all out later. Okay. You ready? Okay. All right, they're ready. Okay, here we go. Modern or rustic? Modern. Mm. Oh, rustic, for sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. So one one each. I should be, I'm not keeping score, by the way, but maybe I'll try to mentally do it. Okay, we got one, one. Uh, Manny or Petty? Petty. I don't know what they both are. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah, Manny, neither. I guess it's some- I don't know. If, if <laughs> you, oh, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not into either. I give pedicures to my daughter. So, uh, okay. So I'll it's petty. petty. Okay. So, was that, t- did you say petty as well, Sherry? Sure, I can't remember. Now I'm sweating. Why okay. am I sweating? It's okay. All right. I think you'll like this next one skydiving or hammock? Hammock. 
skydiving. Mm, okay, see, we, I like this. I, I see a complimentary thing going on here. Alaska or Hawaii? Hawaii. Hawaii. Mm. Hard choice. Okay, they met in Hawaii. Okay, all right. They came. To, they converged in Hawaii. Bake a cake or buy a cake? Bake a cake. Bake a cake. Uh, you're baking and you're in Hawaii, perhaps at the same time. Uh, okay, superpower time. Fly or be invisible? Fly. Fly. Mm, they're flying. Okay. All right. You're flying. I'm trying to put all these t- things together. Flying in Hawaii while baking a cake. Um, okay, here's one. Uh, would you rather be a jack of all trades or laser focused on one thing? Jack of all trades all day long. Laser focused. Okay. All right. I like it. You're covering all the bases. Um, would you rather have a personal chef or a personal trainer? Personal trainer. Personal chef. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Our next 20 years are going to be really hard. Well, this is perfect because you're going to have gourmet meals and then you're going to work them off. So perfect. Okay. Love it. Uh, Godzilla or, or King Kong? King Kong. King Kong. Okay. We could get into what that means, but perhaps later. Um, all right. Just a few more. Idealist or realist? Realist for Idealist. Sure. Oh, my goodness. Uh, now you're stepping in our count. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm with you, sure. Yeah. Pessimist or realist? Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. This this is trading into my marriage, so I had to do it. As far as your thinking, linear or nonlinear? Nonlinear. Linear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've just described my marriage. Okay. All right. Very last question. Red pill or blue pill? Red pill. Red pill. Now you're going to have to remind me what those both mean. <laughs> I know it's from the Matrix. The red, red pill is reality, right? It's the facing. Red pill real. is reality. See things as they truly are. Uh-huh. Right. And so you both chose that. Absolutely. We want the real thing. And that's why. Most. All of it's mad. Because <laughs> there's whiskey. <laughs> as long as there's, there's at least a way to medicate. Oh, my God. I can't believe you did that. And that's why they are the power couple, my friends. Well, you did a great job. Congratulations. You have won the stupid game. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Nancy. It was a pleasure. Well, I'm still sweating, and I feel nervous, and I usually don't feel like that on a podcast. So you got me. Well, then job well done. Although that was yeah, <laughs> that was not my intention. But as long as we're talking about this, so we're talk, we're still on the subject of brain. So I, I think I want to go here because um, all right. So I was listening to another podcast that I, I think I would love. I'm gonna just give a plug for it because you just did a great uh, three part series on the Wild at Heart podcast talking about contemplative prayer. So I won't give all that away. You need to listen to that one. But um, Sherry, you had talked about um beta waves and alpha waves and delta waves like um and i just wonder I, this might seem like a strange place to start but i do want to start there would you mind just sharing maybe a little bit i i don't know if we need more context but somehow it all fits in my nonlinear thinking yes nancy what which which part would you do you want me to share a little more about so you were talking about because, all right, so Morgan said, oh, I'm sweating. So in the context of 
problem solving, like w when we're encountering maybe uh, a risky situation or an unknown situation. You talked about the problem solver. Yes. Yes. Well, there's different, um, you know, there, there's different, the way that I think of it is that there's different modes of mind and those correspond actually to different physiological sensations and energy levels in our body. So um, we could say that the problem solver in us, um, we thank God for, for him or her, depending on our gender, and um, the problem solver is is meant to focus very narrowly on something and um, activate the body to solve that problem. So typically it's a higher energy state and it's um, those faster waves in the brain and um, and then often what happens, though, is that our problem solver, we become um, kind of stuck in problem solving. And so um, for me, part of Jesus's rescue of me has been learning to appreciate that for a long time, um, because of maybe a lack of safety and a lack of secure attachment in my earlier relationships and therefore some underdevelopment in different faculties of my human person, I was in problem-solving mode a lot, scanning my environment, trying to figure out what to say, what not to say, how to be, how not to be in order to secure belonging for myself. And, um, or to stay safe. And so the, this we could call this like hypervigilance, which is where the problem solver is just acutely on all the time. And um, as it relates to the body, we could say that corresponds with the what we call the sympathetic nervous system, the part of the ner nervous system that activates the body for quick, powerful action. So that's that, like, you know, your muscles get a little tense, your the um, blood flow drains away from your um, central organs and into your limbs and into the big muscle groups of your legs. And um, that's fabulous for short periods of time. But when we live in the problem solver or in our sympathetic nervous system um, overly much, we kind of develop these habits of chronic stress in the body. And the body's always reacting um, to stress. And so we learn, um, oftentimes we learn it without even knowing we're learning it. Or sometimes for people like me who, who didn't really learn it naturally, I had to relearn it um, by letting God reparent me. We have to learn how to drop into the um, what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is uh, how our body, she or he, leaves the activation, that heightened activation, that problem solving, and just settles into being. Settles in, um, in, in the body that would mean that the body begins to focus on resting, digesting, healing tissues, you know, digesting our food, and that the way God made us is that we work in rhythm between um, activate and then rest and digest, um, high energy states and then quieter, lower energy states, and that we get to learn with God. You know, and in Peterson, the message version he describes, uh, translates Jesus's invitation in Matthew 11 that we learn these unforced rhythms of grace that are activated in response to an immediate challenge and then all oh, quiet together rest digest and heal and so just being learning from Jesus how to move between um, the sympathetic and that active state that Morgan was moving into as he's sweating you know his body's getting more more um, sort of tense and and again, that's not a bad thing. We need that um, for powerful, quick action. But then 
we can let Jesus and learn how to shepherd ourselves back into quiet, quiet together, rest, digest, and heal. Right, right, and it's just it's an it's an amazing miracle that our our brains are literally created that way to deal with both scenarios. Um, and I and I bring this up because I I think about this past year that we've all been in together wherever we are. We've all been going through some similar things together, which is kind of an incredible phenomenon. When you think about it, this may be the first time in human history, and maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic, but probably not much. But I think this is perhaps the first time in human history when most of the world is going through virtually the same thing at the same time in terms of of obviously covid and our response to this pandemic and what it means for our daily lives right going through i I think i maybe say it a little differently of going through something similar together right um you know we're all facing covid and like you said it's very unique and unprecedented world history but our experience of covid is very distinct exactly nation state by state home by home so nancy i do think you're you're right we're, we're in a world experiment and it's affecting everybody but it's affected everyone differently and that's really important to consider yes i think i saw you probably saw this meme too kind of went around it but it was so true that you know we're all in the same storm but we're not all in the same boat Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. and I think that just that just succinctly put you know, that 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 just says it that just what you said. Um, so this idea of safety, right? Because that's what our problem solver does. Our problem solver wants to figure out. Okay, I'm unsafe. You know, um, I took enough one oh one psychology to know about Maslow, right? And that's at the bottom of the hierarchy of need is being safe, right? Having our our basic needs met. So that's that's our our first course of action is okay, how do I how do I stay safe? How do I take shelter? How do I how do I solve this immediate problem? And that's one of the the similarities. I think it's looking different, but it's it's that similar problem that I think many many of us have been facing this past year yes nancy that i I appreciate that how you're how you're describing that what do you see nancy that that how that relates to this idea of coming out that you introduced um us to at the beginning of the show so yes thank you this is my non-linear mind in action so um the connection i see here is what does it mean to to be safe what does it take to be safe? What does it mean to take risks? And how, at what point does a risk become justified? And how do you navigate through all of that? And we're talking physically, but we're also talking uh, about the other realities of our life. What does that mean for my relationship with God? Or do I even believe in God? You know, for me, I can say, yes, of course, everybody knows that. That's what this podcast is about. But I know there's people listening. They're, uh, on the fence or don't really know that they believe it um but maybe they know me or or you know they're interested enough to say okay what are they talking about this week so there's that um so i don't want to get so all over the map that it's not making sense but at the same time i'm seeing a connectedness between our worldwide response to this pandemic and how it is affecting us emotionally 
spiritually, socially, um, and that tendency that we have to to hide because it's the safest yeah. because it seems like the safest thing to do. Yeah. Right. Well, I even think Nancy, for our listeners, one helpful angle at it is um, to become curious about how you're reacting to your present circumstances. You know, what is your knee-jerk reaction and how is that informing you about how you see the world? And um, I know for me, my knee-jerk reaction is to get really aggressive. And I'll give an example. So we have teenagers and I think the pandemic has affected people geographically different, but also life stages, right? It's very different than our aging parents. So with teenagers, what we've seen is just this constant quarantine after quarantine, the sports, the school, it changes by the day, sometimes by the hour and a week feels like a long time. And so right now, you know, my son is um, on the verge of a state championship football game, first time in the school's history for Saturday. Nice. And they have had to fight through so much and so many quarantines, but still there's this fundamental belief of this game's not even going to happen. Mm. And even if it happens, half the team will be quarantined, it'll probably be my son. And here's the point, is I get really aggressive. And so my knee-jerk reaction is to, like, fight and storm the hill. And, and I said to my son, we're pulling you out of school for the week. We're going to make this happen. We're going to fight the quarantines. Like, you're going to be eligible. And I have to pay attention. Like, where's that energy coming from? And I realize if I pause and I get curious about my soul, I realize that it's informing me that there's this fundamental belief in my structure of life is found when you make it happen. Like, life is up to you. Mm -hmm. Get get old, win the game, or else, you know, life won't work. And below that is a root of fatherlessness. And and even below the fatherlessness, there's actually this deeper root of, of um, I'll call it deprivation. This feeling of um, unsettled, not at peace, lacking. And I'll even say it this way, lacking nourishment, lacking comfort, lacking care. And so this is, we're talking about COVID and a football game for a high school kids. But if I'm curious about my, the landscape of my soul, the outward problems re- reveal inward problems. And so yes. that's where it gets really personal. Say, right. What I actually need is to address the scarcity, address the, the, the self-determination, address this thing that's reaching for comfort apart from God. And as my heart heals, my strength heals, and I'm able to then shepherd my son through the week to say, God's got this. And with or without a game, we're loved and we're cared for, and we're going to fight where we need to fight, but we're also not going to put it into make-it-happen mode. We're going to trust that God has prevailing goodness on our behalf. So I use that very specific example to kind of go through a root cause analysis to say, what what's at play here below the surface? Exactly, and thank you so much because I think, yes, you articulated so much better what I was trying to get at with my many, many words, and that's... What is happening right now in the world is, and our response to it, I will say, our response to what is happening, whether it's the football game or any other aspect of this pandemic, is revealing what's going on inside of us. It's revealing what we really believe. And it's more than our physical safety. It's, 
it's getting at the very core of us and our, our, our worldview and even to our very core of our being, to our hearts. Absolutely. And I think what we have to be really careful about at this hour on the earth, therefore, is the escape hatch. Right. We all are up some kind of plan. And it comes in the form of, oh, I can't wait for life to get back to normal. Or it comes into, I'm finally going to go do that thing I delayed. And I actually think if the pandemic um, continues to diminish and we get back to what feels like normal, we're going to see a spending, like, you know, a, a spending um, frenzy. frenzy in the world because people just want to feel good. Right. They want to be just, they want to get, and so, and, and here's why I'm saying this is we get windows of access to our soul and, and they come and go. And, and one mentor said to me, um, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain because we will all suffer. But what we do with it is so important. And so before we get busy at trying to recover normal or establish a new normal or just react while we're in the tension, this is the hour to be curious because those internal problems don't go away. Right. They just increase over time. Right. That's exactly right. Because, uh, you know, as you said, people are anticipating we can't wait for things to get back to normal. And whenever that is, I think, in, to probably to some extent, at least in the States, it depends on what state you're living in. Um, but regardless, this idea of, okay, at some point things are going to look more normal again. So we're all going to be coming out of this period of history. But the question is, how are we going to come out? Right? And that speaks to what you just said, that this is the hour to be curious. So, all right, I'm in New York State. You're in Colorado, both of you. What's it looking like? What's the general temper there in terms of what are people anticipating? Yeah, we have the privilege of uh, interacting with leaders really in very different pockets of the globe. And so I think I'm, I'm conscientious, uh, I'm just hyper conscientious about this idea of people are experiencing very differently in very different places. Right. You know, I was talking to executive in Sydney last week and he said, you know, they're, they're in very stringent lockdowns and they're even increasing their lockdowns as far as international travel in this next year. Um, they're extending them. But their economy's thriving. And what they basically said, for every $15 million that they lose because they don't have tourists coming in, they gain $55 million by people not traveling out of Australia. And they're a net exporter at this point, and their economy is booming. And so then you take that, and then you put a person in Brooklyn, New York, in a small apartment with five children with an elderly mother and all they're thinking about is what you said, Nancy, of like the, the, the present need, like the current danger. And so I think what I would say to that is it's pockets and some people are really um, covered up in fear. There's a lot of fear going on and um, it's being fueled by a lot of messages in the world. And then there's a lot of people that are pretty angry in our experience because they feel misunderstood because there are very real issues with um, COVID illness, with, with different people with um, 
elderly, for example. And so you have all these different cultures that are colliding and trying to interact and make a normal overscheduled life work. And so I think that's my first reaction is different cultures are affected differently and they're kind of colliding into each other. And then you have mask or no mask, right. you have vaccine or no vaccine, right. go back to normal or in the new normal. We're all in this together or protect your own people. And so you have all this kind of violence of, of cultural clashes happening in, in different pockets. Sherry, I mean, that's my take. What about mm -hmm. you? I, I think that's um, so well said, Nancy. So I, I agree with Morgan. I'm, you know, um, I, I really do feel like we're we're a little bit. I observe siloed even in our, you know, organized. Let's see the the seven interlocking communities that we're a part of here in Colorado Springs. Each one of those seven communities are have a different um, tone and a different um, energy about them, even at this point in the pandemic. Yeah, and I see that where I am too. Um, you know, very similar. So, and and I know it. It probably sounds like I just want to spend this whole time talking about COVID, which I don't. But I think I think it's necessary because of what it's revealing. So I'm just going to get I'm going to get really honest with you both right now and let you know. You know, when we talk about these responses that we have, whether it's fear or anger, I would have told you a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago. I'm not a fearful person. I don't really. I, I don't have a lot of anxieties or fears. I mean, maybe I won't be with Morgan when he jumps out of the plane, although I'd like to think I would. But I mean, I don't I don't really fear things, right? And yet, and in many ways, it's still true. And yet this year has revealed something to me that, oh, yeah, I have fears. I might not be afraid of dying of COVID, but God's been pulling back the curtain and allowing me to confront some some other fears that I have, fears of not having the relationships that I thought I had with people. Um, or, you know, they're, they're not physical fears, but they're emotional fears. They're uh, yeah. fears that speak to my relationship with God. Well, yes, God, I, I know you're good, but, <laughs> you know, those kind of fears. Um, and I've also, it's revealed some anger. Um, I get angry about things if I think that, that something is not true or not being relayed in a, in a way that's responsible. And if I see, if I see that, it, it makes me angry. And then I'm, I'm trying to navigate through all that. Okay, well, there's such thing as a righteous anger. But if I'm getting bitter about it, uh, that's not very righteous. So, so those, those are things that, that I'm dealing with. And I know I'm not alone. I know other people are too, but I can only speak for me. Um, and this speaks to, you know, all right, I want to get out there. I want to come out. I want to, you know, get back to normal. But coming out, what does, what does that look like? Because I can look like I'm coming out, but I'm still hiding, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, Nancy, one piece for our listeners that's so important is we have to be really honest at um, where we're at in our souls and kind of our capacity because, first off, I think one fair um, uh, guess is that things are not going to get back to normal very quickly. I think that change will be the new normal, and we are not yet out of this storm. And I think what people are going to find is spend a little money, buy some new summer porch furniture, go on that vacation that was delayed. And after that, they're still not going to be well. Mm -hmm. And so I think 
really important to pay attention is like, how is your soul? What is its condition and what does it really need? You know, it wowed at heart. John has mentored us with this idea recently of what is your prescription? In other words, what is God's prescription as, as the great physician in caretaking your soul as you transition to a new atmosphere, not just getting quote back to normal, but to this next stage, like what is the prescription? You know, in Colorado, we're experiencing severe droughts. And if you drive the West and you'll see the reservoirs and it's really sad to see them so low. And, and, and Nancy, you see all these rings around the reservoirs and it just ring after ring of high water marks that from, from years past and they're virtually empty. And I was driving through on a backcountry trip uh, a while back and God just showed me this reservoir that all it had left was this one small creek running through the bottom of this what was an enormous reservoir. And he was showing me, Morgan, he said, this is actually a picture of the condition of your soul right now. Mm-hmm. That, that so much has been coming out and so little has been coming in. Your high watermark has receded. And so what's really important is it will take time to resaturate that soul, that that reservoir, to fill your soul, to fill the reservoir. And so flipping a switch can be really dangerous. I think it starts with kindness and compassion to say, where are, where are you and what is it that you need? You know, it took us some time to get into this and it's going to take some time to get out. And all of that is context for our apprenticeship with God. And so I think it's really important to just not go too quick and be really honest with capacity because that's where we can really love ourselves, love God and love others in in a way that has integrity. So, yeah, and this kind of brings me back to what Sherry was sharing before about rest, digest, heal, right? The parasympathetic nervous system as opposed to the quick, okay, let's solve this problem. Let's get to the safest place. Let's, let's take shelter. Because even coming out of this time, as slow as it may be or whenever that happens, you're right. I mean, our our tendency is, okay, the fast is over, so give me, you know, all the hot fudge sundays you got, you know, <laughs> um, because that that's what we want to do. We want the quick fix so that we can feel good again, and yet that's probably not what we need. Right, exactly. You know, Nancy, for me, um, the, the counsel from Jesus that I've been sensing is, um, you know, we, we, we talk about it so much, this idea of our country being polarized. And myself, as you know, um, I feel like I'm in this middle space because I'm a, I would identify myself as an evangelical Christian, and yet I don't, I don't necessarily fit the silhouette of the evangelical Christian that maybe like the, the mass media talks about mm-hmm. in terms of my politics or my, you know, the way that I approach COVID or any of these things. And um, I felt, I feel like what Jesus is really asking me to practice and to focus on as I come out of COVID is um, observing when I go into what I'll call like enemy mind where, um, you know, this, again, the problem solver, she's trying to figure out who are my people, who's not my people, who understands me, who doesn't understand me. That's, that's natural, but, um, the invitation I see of my discipleship to Jesus is that I'm, I'm being matured by, by attaching to God 
to, you know, be formed into Jesus's character who doesn't divide the world up that way. And I feel like he's, he's wanting me to um, catch myself if I shift into enemy mode where I'm, you know, whether, where I'm trying to gauge is someone with me or, you know, do they share my politics? Do they share my, um, my, my, the way that I see COVID, the way that I blah, blah, blah. And, and really trying to observe it, stay conscious of that, and then drop deeper into God and access God's um, insistence or, or God's own resistance from going into enemy mode and to stay, you know, uh, relational, to stay present, to stay unoffended, to stay open, to stay... Um, you know, and, and that is just, that's probably the frontier of my discipleship as I come out of COVID. And um, I, I feel very triggered a lot, you know, um, like as we move between these different communities. And, and I feel like the enemy wants to bait me into trying to, can you know, propagate the us versus them. And it's, um, so for me, it's this, okay, Jesus, I feel like you're, you, you know, the, if, if we would say the highest, expression of Christian maturity is genuinely being able to love our enemies. One of my teachers says it's because we no longer see them as enemies. Um, we, 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 we focus on, on the fact that we're all, you know, we really are this person who I'm relating to right now is loved by God and I'm loved by God and here we are together. So, so for me, what I'm, I'm feeling drawn to in my coming out is really seeking Jesus. How do I how do I be conformed to that part of your image? How do I sidestep the temptation of the us versus them and propagating that in my own, in, in, in my, in this, in our beloved community? And how, how do I stay in my body, you know, guide myself back to um, a relational mode, even if I get tr temporarily into a, like, Ooh, this is, this, this person's unsafe or this moment, you know, this context is unsafe. How do I lean into God so that I can come back to relational, to, to being um, present and rather than um, activated in a, in a um, sort of a, as if I'm responding to hostility. Oh my gosh. I think you, you just, you hit it on the head. At least um, that is one of the hugest issues I think that I've been confronted with. And again, I, I don't think it's just me. Um, but this whole idea of are you with me? Are you in my, are you my people? Are you not my people? Are you safe? <laughs> right? Um, and how how easy it is for us to approach life that way? And maybe we were never aware of it to the extent that we are now because there is so much camp dividing, right? And everybody's got, I'm in this bubble, you're in that bubble, and our bubbles uh, never bump against each other because that's not safe. Um, but to be able to to really see people as God sees them, and that sounds so lofty. I don't, you know, honestly, when I say that, that I know it's the right answer, it almost sounds unattainable, and yet Christ in us, the hope of glory, that's the whole point, right? So if, if Christ is really alive in me, then there is that capacity to go beyond my, my worldview, let's say, and, and to have God's view. Yeah. yeah. I remember years ago, I was with a mentor, Nancy, and uh, they were dealing with a really difficult person in a very difficult situation, and um, 
he handled this person with with immense grace and afterwards i said how did you do that like that like how did you do it and he said i relate to the person that um that's inside that man whom god has put in there whom he has yet to become in other words you know dallas word says the most important thing we can know about any human being is that they bear the image of god like whether it's a spouse you're struggling with or a teacher or someone at work someone at church or a neighbor right that he's in there she's in there it's a mago day it's the image of god and god is working and willing to see that that person's restored and when we pray the simple prayer jesus give me your heart for them show me what you see in them and and what you're working and willing to come forth in them it really does change our posture towards them you know i'll give an example of um there are some people that have just a uh um a hyper um antagonism in some of the political stance that are going on around us that are really hard to be around because they're so closed in other words they have their very staunch political views but what's what they won't do is dialogue what they won't do is actually have a conversation they're actually uninterested in listening to anything else and i can find myself so irritated where i just don't have like um, a lot of grace or a lot of compassion but when i sink in and say god give me your heart for that person what 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 god often takes me to is every person has a story they didn't start with simply that political view they start below the anger is often sadness Right. And below the sadness is story. And if we knew the story, we would have nothing but compassion. And so that prayer, that simple prayer of Jesus, give me your heart for this person. Let me see them as you see them. Somehow it can really break through. Oh, okay. All right. So now you're going to get me to quote Michael Scott, and I can't even believe it, but it, this just fits so beautifully. Wow. <laughs> because, all right, what you just said about dialogue, that is... That's it, my friend. So this is, I actually wrote this quote down the other day. It's one of my guilty pleasures. I, when I want to zone out, I watch The Office. Sue me. So um, this was, this was. This, <laughs> daughter would love you. Okay? That's what and we do. I love you. I love so this you. is what. My, so what's the Michael Scott? It's a Michael Scott truism. Okay, all right, here it is. <laughs> You'll probably recognize the episode when I say it. This is the quote. A lot of people say if you dig long enough and hard enough, you'll get to China. And it may be true, but I say if you dig long enough and hard enough in a conversation, you get to a friend. Like, that is so profoundly true. That is really deep thought for Michael Scott. It is. Which episode is that in? That's brilliant. It was, yeah. That must be in a later episode. He was arguing with Oscar about uh, you know politics in China and everything. But the whole point of it is what you said that you know whatever it is because you know who who know you know like we assume like okay well if I like you then you must think like me because all reasonable people right. think just like me. But then I find out oh my gosh you think differently than me. Well I guess we can't talk anymore because you're not going to be my friend. And and, 
And that's what we do, not just with the people that we don't know, right, strangers, but we, we've done that within families, right? We've assumed things, and, and we've just shut down conversations. But if we could only just regard people as people, right, with stories, and keep talking to them, maybe... Yeah, Sherry, yeah. when you... Go ahead. You share great angle on this. It's helped me immensely. You work with people with trauma, and you talk. We talk about this idea of what's wrong with you, right? Of like, man, what's wrong with you? When someone is is in a frustrating situation and in trauma, you've learned in 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 story. There's a different phrase you use. Can yeah. you just tell us about that a little bit? I remember Nancy in one training that I was at um, for the for for the uh, work where I work at. Um, we were doing a, a training on trauma-informed, summed up trauma-informed care as shifting from the question of what's wrong with you to the question of what happened to you. Basically, what's, what's your story um, around which who you are and how you are in the world and, you know, um, has formed. And I just love that, that, that distillation of the difference of like, what's wrong with you that you think that way or that you feel that way or that you see it that way to, huh, what, what happened to you? What, right. like Morgan said, what did you lose? What are you afraid of? Um, what have been the messages to you about the nature of reality? And um, so I, I think that that's really a, a powerful um, to guide myself back to that place of instead of like my instinct of what's wrong with that person that they see the world that way. Indeed, yeah, um, yes, yeah. because and yeah. I, I guess I want, I no, go ahead. Oh, well, I just wanted to say, you know, one thing that's also helped me with this is that um, to recognize that the part of my body that's scanning to determine if someone's an enemy or a friend is happening much more rapidly than my conscious thought, and so you know, there's if we were to say that the, the left side of our brain is more capable of like direct focus and the right side of our brain is, um, is sort of like always scanning and taking in like all the information all around us. It's an operate and, uh, calibrating information much faster than I am consciously. I'm like deciding if people are friend or foe, like you said, even within my family, depending on like, you know, physiologically very rapidly faster than I, my, I'm conscious of. And so I think just that, that practice of being aware of, okay, my body's going to be, is, is, is mm, making decisions about if people are friend or foe really fast, faster than I realize. So if I can practice bringing myself to awareness and then guiding my own body back out of that, um, that, that kind of fight, fight or flee or, rigid rigid place of being on guard and and soften back down so that i can practice that curiosity and then and also have self-compassion of like this is happening on such a primal level and hopefully over time as our bodies are continually calibrated around jesus and his life in us we're going to find our bodies actually no longer shift as rapidly into that foe mode that over time um, as christ did will stay relational even even in the face of, of um, you know all such such confrontation or such um, antagonism, and and that's what he's initiated the work in us and God willing will continue to carry into completion, especially as we mature as 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 communities, you know, um, 
Nancy, you, you, you inspiring my, me to mature more and then me leaning into Morgan's maturity and that being fashioned in me. And likewise, and you know, we, we mature as a community together. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's so beautiful. You know, there's just this whole idea of how we come out. Right. And I know we're, we're winding down here. I got to let you go on to the rest of your day, but what a beautiful way to wrap this up because we're talking about slowing down, right. Rather than just scanning for, you know, the, the immediate shelter, but allowing Jesus and us for the Christians. I know not everybody listening is a Christian, but um, but even for non Christians to to slow that process down, and say what's really going on, even in my own story, because we're not always even aware of our own stories, but God is. God knows our story better yeah. than we do, and He knows that person who we might think is a friend or a foe. He knows their story, and and if we could slow down long enough and allow him to settle our hearts, maybe we would have some more room to to be understanding for the stories that are around us. And that, that I think, is helpful in, as we're thinking about what coming out looks like. Yeah, Nancy, I, I think you're right on. And I think as a closing thought um, for me to offer, it's on my heart, is as I look back <clears throat> when everything started changing end of February um, into March last year until now, and I scan kind of the text of, of my life in, in the rearview mirror. Here's what I noticed, is there was so much uncertainty, so much loss, um, so much um, uh, struggle. But God prevailed. Mm-hmm. That the major theme was God came. He came for Sherry. He came for me. He came for our children. That, that what I see evidence is this prevailing goodness of someone at work on our behalf. I'm reading a brilliant book, and the author uh, suggests that he said he's 50, and he's looking back over the story of his life, and he said, my summation is the universe is conspiring to bring happiness mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. That literally, there's a goodness conspiring on my behalf. And I realize that is what's true about the heart of God, that there is someone and something larger than us that's prevailing, that's orchestrating um, a beautiful redemption. And so I don't want to minimize suffering and I don't want to minimize loss, but I want to invite our friends to pause and just even ask, ask God, just look at your calendar and your own soul and say, what's worth celebrating? What goodness came out of this? What were the positive things? Where was God at work? And it's, it's all, it's a good, it's a confidence builder because you say the same person and way it was provided in the past, that will continue and even increase. And so that's the theme I see. And that's the major theme in all of this. Amen. Amen. And that's why that is actually one of my core values is to seek truth and beauty everywhere because it is everywhere. It's in the hardest places that we can imagine because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he is the author and creator of all that is beautiful because he himself is beautiful so thank you for that reminder thank you thank you to both of you just for a really really wonderful conversation that's it's helped me i'll say that so i'm thinking it's helping other people too yeah i don't get to often do podcasts with sherry but for our listeners um, who are enjoying her voice far more than mine which is very easy (laughs) to do um, if you're interested in hearing more of her heart on on these topics and more, if they go to Become Good Soil up in the search bar and just put Sherry, C-H-E-R-I-E, just put her first name 
in the search bar and all sorts of videos and in podcasts and pieces of her, her life and content will surface. And that's worth exploring. She's one of my greatest teachers. Thanks buddy. And thank you for, for giving that plug because I, yeah, I, I just can't recommend enough. Go check out Become Good Soil. Um, both of you, uh, you know, your podcast, your, your generosity with just all that you, all the wisdom that you give away through so many different means, um, and even being here today with me. Um, thank you so much. I, I truly am honored to be talking with you, and I just pray blessings over both of you. Thank you, Nancy, and thank you to this beautiful community, the Isle of Misfits. Um, we just appreciate you all. Thank you so much. We're all misfits. Let's keep going together. So this is one of those podcasts that I think you'll want to go back to and listen again. Maybe several times, because there's just so much good stuff here. Mostly for Morgan and Sherry, of course, but that's why we had them here. Now, wherever you are in this coming out process, whatever that means for you, whether you're literally coming out of your house for the first time in months or reuniting with loved ones, whatever that means, whatever feels normal to you. There's some great takeaways. Uh, First, slow down, right? You don't have to do it all at once. Be curious. Face your feelings. Take inventory. Resaturate your reservoir. Celebrate what's worth celebrating. And most of all, know that God prevails. Then, now, and tomorrow. So grateful to have Morgan and Sherry Snyder join us. And like he said, you can find them both at becomegoodsoil.com and you can find great podcasts like these and more at isleofmisfits.com where we're calling all square pegs to come on out own your awkward love your fellow misfit and seek beauty and truth everywhere because it's out there <laughs>